Älskar du den här podden? Stötta den genom IKAs nya supporterfunktion. Det är helt upp till dig hur mycket du vill bidra med och det finns ingen bindningstid. Klicka på länken i poddbeskrivningen för att visa din uppskattning och stötta podden. Ryan Reynolds här från Mint Mobile. Med prysen av just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, but... Is it anything else that you uh, like wonder b- before we take off? Uh, no. Uh, maybe no. we should just grab two glasses of water. Three sure. glasses of water. Yeah. Yeah. I can do it if you want. You should tell me. Every time that I prepare a new interview, I do quite extensive research. So when we finally sit down to record, I always have a wide range of questions already written down. So that is also what I did for this sit-down with Caroline Ciavaldini and her husband James Pearson. However, after just a couple of minutes into the interview, the questions went straight out of the window as this amazing, energetic couple in the most lovely way hijacked the entire interview and I quickly decided to just hang on and enjoy the ride. My name is Magnus Ormestad and this is episode 22 of the international series from the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Husky is recorded with support from Naturkompaniet and the new holiday club in Åre. Find out more about this episode and of previous episodes at huskypodcast.com. I think we're okay. So I'm here with the freshwater connoisseurs. Mm-hmm. Caroline and James, not too much limestone in the in the water. Yeah, Was that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, is there a button to press when you don't have the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think technically there's always there's going to be the perfect balance, both in terms of taste and and health. But <clears throat> what that balance is, I have no idea. I just know in our house we had to get rid of it all because there was so much. You have like filters built in. Yeah, yeah, so we have a big filter at the beginning of just the entrance of the water in the house that takes it all away. Hmm. So but interesting. I think it eh? was more interesting <laughs> because obviously the water is full of limestone. If the ground is limestone, yeah, and uh, Makes clearly, sense. obviously here there's no limestone at all. No, it's and granite. Just, I think. Gra- yeah. So mm. because some of the buildings in the old city, it looked like maybe I'm. Stupid, but it was. It looked like there was some grit um, sandstone. sandstone. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that, and I, I was like, I "Where want. is that sandstone?" On oh, me, Clams obsession, you know. <laughs> so, uh, is, but but is that true? Do you have an obsession for rock? Like, oh yeah, totally. If, if you if you time. walk past a, bu- a building like made out of rock, you can. Oh, I wonder how that James feels. James and I, we've got 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll walk well, around touching, like, touching yeah. walls and things. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's interesting features, Nerds. I don't know, if that was a, a hold. Think, in yeah, a, we have a lot of obsessions now. Yeah, I'm more nerdy than you. Oh, but for sure. <laughs> That's 100% sure. Although but, Caroline's uh, become more, a lot more curious about construction since we, we bought a house in the south of France and we've been working on renovating that. Yeah, but then stone obsession is all about being a climber. Maybe, Because yeah. when I was a young climber, it didn't seem to matter so much because I was more an indoor climber. Mm-hmm. So it was really about the effort. And with time and tasting different rocks... I guess I that's probably tasting, the key. Yeah. yeah. You uh, realize it's really, really different. And I think you get closer to... I'm not going to go like esoteric and say you can feel the energy of the, the rock. The soul of the rock. But there's something to say about... Uh, with time, I think I like sandstone much better. Sandstone and granite, I think I like, vol- I, I like um, volcanic and... No, sandstone, not volcanic, so no. it doesn't make sense. But no. it's, it's about the friction, I guess. Yeah. Generally about the friction, the perf- but also the about shapes, the form. The perfection of the shapes. Mm. Yeah, It's beautiful. Yeah, you I mean, don't want the sharp edges that will cut your equipment and cut your skin? You want generally, kind of... generally. I mean, granite can be super sharp. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, d- I think it's more, yeah, it cuts the skin. So a really sharp rock is a, usually something with, I mean, you and I, we're quite sensible about it. Yeah. I think it's more like we are 30 years old, climbers who've traveled all over like the world. It's more like we're spoiled, I think. Yeah. yeah. We become like spoiled kids. But basically. Is, and isn't the thing with like, if you, if you climb rock, rocks that cut your skin, gives you chaffing and so on, that looks super cool on Instagram and Facebook, those images? When we post pictures of yeah. our bloody tips at the end yeah. of the day to make people yeah. think that we're authentic. Exactly, that's what it's all <laughs> I about. Don't, I don't know, I don't like pain, so <laughs> I mean... Um, you know, some, with, with the filters on Instagram, you don't even actually need to have really chafed or bloody tips. No. You can just up or the saturation the, in the red <laughs> and it or, does it all for or you. Or just add the, the rock climber yeah. uh, filter on Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> hardcore. 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 Hashtag filter. hardcore. Yeah. Blood and chalk, that's the perfect <laughs> yeah. combination, yeah. But uh, it's, it's it's very true that we are we are really spoilt as far as climbers go, I think. We're basically in this fortunate situation where we constantly get to travel all over the world, visiting either the best existing places or going out there and finding new places. And so, yeah, when you go back home and You're you like, end up climbing oh. on the stuff you know that you've always seen you next to the house. some friends like, oh, I'm going to show you this new crack. It's amazing. And you go there like, oh, my God, this is just so bad. <laughs> yeah. So now you've you lost you 50% and... of your friends now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to try and take a step back and you have to try and Maybe. find a way to be to be excited for them. Yeah. Because at the same time, a lot of people don't have the same chance that we have and mm. we'd be just kind of assholes if you live like- we were like well no this is really bad i can't believe you climb on this like what are you doing with your life oh yeah you can't go anywhere else so you have to you have to find a way to actually be because you can always find a silver lining you know there's always a way to look at a situation positively and so kind of e- either just the motivation that they that they have for developing these places or you know and then sometimes even if the place is not really nice or beautiful or whatever you can usually find a good route or a good move I think with time as well, I mean, just look, okay, that's maybe no subject at all, but um, you just see a house. It's a completely different subject. On first sight, it's a pretty house. And then you get to spend more time, you work more on it, you understand more secrets about it, and you love it. And it's the same for a crag, I think. Because 
opening a crag, a, a sport crag, or, or even a trad climb, yeah. it's about a lot, yeah, spending a lot of time, a lot of energy, cleaning the access, cleaning the, the rock, uh, maintaining the the belay if there's belays, maintaining the the security pieces, and I think it's like anything. If it's your baby, you love it. So even sometimes, if it's ugly. The, yeah, the wood setters <laughs> sometimes they're like kind of lose it. <laughs> You're like, well, there's never going to be anybody going climbing on your woods, but I can't tell you because <laughs> great job. It's, you know, it's awesome what you're doing, and we've done exactly the same. Yeah. We've developed lots of places around the world that no one will exactly. ever, ever, ever go visit, mainly because they're in the middle of nowhere. But or maybe because they're bad. Yeah, <laughs> but you want them. But we had so much fun doing it and um, I don't know it's, it's always this I, I often pose the, the ultimate question is what purpose does climbing really have like none the th- none ultimately <laughs> I mean the things that we do and we're going to talk for what an hour on it on it today ultimately it's kind of meaningless I mean we're just basically wasting our time and no, anybody's no, no, time no, that's no, watching us but at the, on the other side we're not really wasting it because we're having a load of fun yeah exactly through was... climbing we are happier for sure and hopefully then we share some of that happiness with other people i feel like you know people say like a a smile is like throwing a pebble in a pond you 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 know just one and then you watch the ripples spread out and i think it's true if we can i mean we're never going to be i'm getting all the good stuff right in the beginning so it's just, i'm just thinking oh my god when am i stopping just stop <laughs> but <laughs> we're never going to be we're never <laughs> going to be like do anything really important with our life we're not we're not doctors we're not politicians we're not going to change the world but if we can somehow change our little world just by being happier then you know that's that seems to be enough reason to to actually go out there every day and pull on these little strange rocks um speaking of inspiring people you hosted a event last night with uh, the north face store uh, north face store in stockholm yes how did that go it was um, you opened so up some minds. Uh, yeah, turned, turned people turned some people on to climbing. We should let Caroline oh, answer this hopefully. because it's the first one of those events that oh, really? she's she's actually done, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and it was really interesting to see how yeah, okay. a kind of perception of of the idea and the concept has changed. So, how did you like it, Capo? Oh, I'm allowed to talk. <laughs> Great, it's my turn. <laughs> so. Uh, no, it's not my first event for a start, but it's my first uh, event where I was supposed to go. The other ones I went but didn't actually uh, yeah, yeah, help. Yeah. Um, I think one year ago, when North Face started doing that, I mean, we're athletes. We're not marketing people. Doing ma- mountain athletics. Yeah, doing mountain athletics. We didn't believe it was going to work so well. And uh, it did. Um, the concept is very simple. It's... Um, Proposing to people free access to a um, um, a good trainer who uh, is supposedly going to train them for their to help them uh, accomplish the outdoor project, and it's quite uh, varied. It can be uh, it can be climbing, it can be uh, trail running, it can be mountaineering. Um, I don't know actually if it's already specialized, but I think they're aiming, aiming at specializing it. But in general, it's kind of really giving the opportunity to people from big cities where it's sometimes hard to, well, A, take the time, B, get the motivation after work, to uh, go work out, but not just with the objective of working out, more like work out because you've got this this thing that you want to do at some point and you need to prepare for it. The hashtag I train for. Exactly. Exactly. And it's 
it looks like a very big marketing thing, but at the same time, being athletes, this is exactly what we do all the time. Realistically, we, and until we do that all the time, and until, until yeah, two years ago, uh, North Face or brands in general did never communicate about all the training hours. As if like, yeah, but I mean, you'll be in the gym, no one to see, wants but to see that. But it's not exactly true. I mean, there are other brands out there that have had these kind of run or fitness clubs based in stores yeah, for, a, right. for a few years now. And I guess is that that's probably why we were a little hesitant at first with North Face's decision to go down that line. We thought they were just trying to, to copy what had already been done to jump on that bandwagon. And, you know, in six months, they were going to decide on a new corporate strategy and then go in a different direction. And there was going to be no kind of heart behind it. But I think the big difference is instead of just... I'm going training. It's like you said. It's I train for. There's a there's there's always an ultimate goal for the training, because I'll be the first to admit I don't really enjoy training that much. But if there's a if there's a reason behind it, if there's a, a big goal that I'm working towards at the end, then I can justify that time. I'd rather be out there in the mountains, and we're lucky that we can do that every day. But there are moments where we even have to kind of confine ourselves to the gym and work hard towards this goal. And so for the people that don't have the chance like, that we do to be out there in, in the hills or in the forests or, you know, wherever, this is such a cool method, uh, such a it's cool a real message. I think it's a real thing. Uh, but and it's such a strong thing to build a community and give yeah. people an, an identity. And then through all of that comes more motivation to push themselves and to, to develop themselves and who knows where it's going to go. Yeah, I think the big addition is not actually the training because people who really had a goal, they already trained. Is the community, but yeah. tra- because training together is easier, mm. and some some nights, I mean, I, I'm I'm just obviously I'm not working in an office, and I'm really lucky for that, but I'm I ca- I can imagine what it's like, and when you've done a full day, trying uh, to find the motivation to go to the gym and and you know, bust it out for a well, few hours after a what you actually 10 hours really in the dream office. of is being outside, and you're not gonna. <laughs> You're not gonna have it this evening, but what you can have is knowing that you're building a little piece of yeah. your project. So yeah. that's and it's also cool. e- it's always easier to motivate motivate yourself if you know that your friends are going there yeah, exactly. Wednesday sure. evening and yeah. so. And they can be you know perhaps friends that you're going to meet at, at the events, and that's yeah. also super cool. You can have the idea that you know I want to train for a project in the outdoors, but you don't might not necessarily know what that is. And then through people that you meet at these things, everybody gets together and has ideas like oh, I don't know, let's plan a trip to go climbing in Wadi Rum or let's go plan a trip to run the trail race on Monte Rosa. Yeah, and people are going to be like, wow, I can't do that. And mm. people are like, yes, you can. Like, you know, come join us. We'll show you how. And through that, you kind of, you open your your self-expectations and uh, your limits is, of possibility. And that's approach. super, super interesting. This other approach that North Face is actually bringing, I mean, North Face or other brands is bringing is, uh, is not the training for training. Because we, I mean, 2017 now, a lot of people in different countries, uh, they work out for working out because they want a pretty body because it's healthy. And... Maybe I'm, I'm just thinking if you hear about this mountain athletic training, if you're not, if you're just working out for working out, you might be like, oh, actually, I mean, why not? I could actually have a goal behind it. And uh, so you could you could argue that this concept kind of could bring people go do things outdoors that they wouldn't have done so much before. And to me, this is really positive. I mean, I'm, I'm just... 
I'm ecologic. How do you say ecology? Ecologically minded. I'm You're an ecologist. I, I think I was gonna say I've got the. <laughs> Sometimes br- you think the tree hugger. I've, <laughs> no, I mean I'm just okay. I, I, I'm just a biology student. I'm being mm. a biology student, I can't be against ecology. This would be, you know, we just came mm. back from the US, so it's like you put things into perspective. But um, if if you bring people who grew up and work in the city outdoors, you finally give them the chance to love it yeah. and then protect it. It's about reconnecting people, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you have that growing up? Like, because you grew up, you didn't grow up in England or boring Sweden. You grew up in boring Réunion. Sweden. Oh, well. No, Sweden a, is not boring. <laughs> that's fantastic. all a question yeah. of perspective. I would <laughs> never say boring, boring Sweden. Um, but yeah, that's... Rainian Island is a small dot um, on the other side of the world, realistically, and uh, it's a tropical French island. And it's, I think you were really um, positively surprised the minute you came off the plane the first time I brought you there, because you land there and you can see this island where you've got just, so it's a volcano, it's a live volcano. Bizarre experience the first time. I found and um, and the the surroundings of the island, which are the flattest, they are inhabited, and still there's a million people on the island, so mm-hmm. it's a lot of people. But the main, like if you look from the air, the island is a volcano full of uh, tropical vegetation. Oh. So there's the least you can say is there's trees everywhere. There's yeah, banana yeah, the, trees the, the, in the main the body of the island's uninhabited because you can't really; it's too steep. Too and so it's, too complicated. It's it's not even that it's easy to access the outdoors. It's that the outdoors is in your garden. Yeah, but so. I think what what shocked me most about reunion, if, at least the first time I, I went, was you step off the plane, you leave the airport, you you drive, you know, down the first few streets through the city, and then out onto the highway, and everything reminds you of France. Mm. Like it's just it's basically like driving around Montpellier or Marseille, but with palm trees everywhere and the sounds of the jungle. <laughs> you see all the road signs, the the way that the, the roads and the streets are constructed. Even the buildings look kind of simil- similar. The bakeries aren't exactly the same. Yeah, but they look the same. <laughs> but then as soon as you drive more than sort of 10 minutes off the beaten track, suddenly you're in this... Jurassic Park set. Yeah, yeah, really. No, it's actually even more varied than just Jurassic Park. It's like luxurious jungle and then kind of savanna sometimes. Wow. You go like, through so many different layers. Yeah. In, yeah. in If you drive actually up to the volcano, you can you can moon. drive to, not the well, summit, the but you then. can drive yeah. to one of the plains just below. You literally, you start off down in tropical beach, go up into jungle, rainforest, and you come through that and you end up in somewhere that really reminded me of of the Lake District or Wales, like kind of rolling green hills, really lush. With cows. With cows, like big hairy highland cattle. <laughs> and then you keep on going and it gets kind of fairly arid and then literally becomes the the plain, they call it the Plan, plan de Sable? The Plain de Sable. Le Plain de Sable, which is like, they've actually used it in quite a few sci-fi films wow. as a stand-in for Mars wow. because it's just this flat, <laughs> red desert with the the peaks of the volcano sticking out above, it's totally crazy. And there's craters as well from little mini explosions that have come out over time. It's totally bizarre. So it's a very varied place, and it's a place I think that's really hard not to develop a love for the for the outdoors. So that was your your childhood yeah. was like that, like going out going out in the outdoors, like hiking and so on. Yeah, I've got this. Uh, I mean, I've everywhere these memories. Just 
I think maybe for Sweden it's going to be very unusual like to go to school. I mean, I didn't grow up. Some people ask me if there was electricity and uh, if I had a, you know, a bone in my oh, nose. Because basically. that was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> like, like James really said, this is really modern. Okay, it wasn't super modern when I was a kid. But I grew up and I had like a 15-minute walk to go to my uh, school when I was 12-year-old. And I had to go through uh, sugar cane fields. Oh, really? And, uh, Steal a cane on the way? Did you steal a cane? Uh, no, because, well, no, you can't because the sugar cane that's used for making sugar mm. is not actually the one oh, okay, that's really, okay. really good. No, um, to eat. Every now and again, you, you'll find the one that you can eat like a candy, but <laughs> this one is way drier. So, um, but uh, yeah, and um, so what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, Basically, your, chi- your childhood, how it was. Yeah, you spent a lot of time in, yeah, the, in yeah, nature. Yeah, I'm just talking about it. I get lost in my memories. Mm. Um, It's the kind of interviews yeah, that I like di- <laughs> when people get lost. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I grew up. Yeah, I mean, I had a normal house with, a, yeah, a good garden. I had a tree house, but maybe until then, this is not crazily unusual for mm. people. But um, on weekends, we would go on walks. And I mean, when you're a kid, it's this is your reality. This is normal. Mm. But it's only actually being a grown-up, leaving the island and coming back that I can realize how astonishing it was. Uh, astonishing, yeah. stunning, whatever, because like the um, the walking paths um, in England, James had kind of you could say a similar um, growing up, except he would have uh, uh, watertight shoes and uh, waterproof things and waterproof hats, and <laughs> they would have to go whatever the weather. Waterproof hats, I like the idea. <laughs> I never had a waterproof hat, but okay. Fine. Maybe not. Should we call it an umbrella? I don't know. <laughs> okay, you had an umbrella to walk. No, you didn't have an umbrella to walk. No. But you must have a hood. hat. Okay, a hood. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's a thing on the back of your jacket that you never put on your James, head. James, it's too advanced for for <laughs> Réunion. They didn't it's, have stuff like that. This is the thing. I didn't they had just had first. I didn't 2021, have... <laughs> it's going to be there. <laughs> the next big thing, it umbrellas. Does, it does rain all the time, but it's tropical. It's hot. So it's going to rain yeah. for one hour, yeah. like downpour rain, mm. but it doesn't matter if you get wet because mm. you're not cold. So I must have had one rain jacket made of basically plastic cloth, <laughs> nothing nothing technical, and uh, you couldn't breathe in it anyway no. because you would get so sweaty. You would get more wet wearing it <laughs> than without it. And... Uh, So, yeah, when I think about your childhood, to me, it seems like so miserable. But at the same time, it was a, I mean, She's not talking about me. She's talking about James. Yeah. But I, I think we often say that I think reu- that reunion would be an awesome place to raise kids because you, they just have so many possibilities to do different, different exciting things. And it's not just that. Like, you could be, you could be hiking in the in the the jungle on the side of the mountain one day you could be um climbing rappelling canyoning the other day and then the next day you can be swimming in a tropical reef it is actually repelling just a personal joke uh and yeah i mean even now you can still go swimming in the reef and see the fish the sharks aren't yeah yeah. aren't dangerous there you can't go surfing anymore that's maybe one of the bad things parapenting that's how you said Yeah, no, paraglide. How do you say in English? Paragliding. Para- it's paragliding amazing, but really, it, I guess really it's harder to get into as a kid. I was thinking of the things no, that you can easily <laughs> easily do. And yeah. and where but what, is, do you, but what do you mean you can't? Oh, sorry, I'm, you you can't go surfing anymore. Yeah, okay. There's a very the specific trouble that's happening uh, yeah. on Rainin now. Since six, five years, years, six, six years, six years, yeah. 
for some reason, there's sharks everywhere now. So um, I've not actually spent hours and hours researching, so I'd rather not tell you something like a wrong cause. Mm-hmm. I think it's not very clear why. No one There's seems always to really been know sharks, the cause. but now they eat humans. Hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of a really sad story because it was a paradise for surfing. They had World Cups for surfing. Hmm. And now, out of the places where there's a bar... Uh, but even a lot of the beaches where you were swimming as a kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. I now would they're go, all closed. You're yeah. not allowed oh, to really? go swimming. Like, yeah. so I, I've got so yeah. many memories going every weekend with my dad and he would, uh, we would go scuba diving. He would take my hand and show me all the little uh, yeah. fish and all. And, this and is now fun. the little fishes have grown big and well, they eat people. <laughs> and hungry. <laughs> the thing is... Well, nobody knows why. Well, There's always strange. been sharks. Never I saw sharks when I was little. Mm. Yeah, nobody cared. I guess all in all, this is not exactly the end of the world, but mm. it's a big issue on Reunion because it's really affecting tourism. Yeah. Um, but it's more it's more like a mis a misconception of what Reunion Island is about. It, actually, it's a tropical island with nice beach beaches, but this is not the reason why you should go on Reunion Island because it's a mountain island. Yeah. Mm. The amazing, if you want beaches, there are way better places you can go for a beach holiday. Yeah, Reunion is just magical for what's inside. Yeah, we don't have the big sand things. We, I mean, we have a few, but not that many. And now we have the sharks. <laughs> it's not exactly perfect, but it's. I think it's really considered one of the very best destinations for paragliding and canyoning. Uh, canyoning, canyoning is amazing. And then you got this uh, trail running, very famous. Uh, um, yeah, they have an ultra trail there called the Le Diagonal, Diagonal de Fou. De Fou. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's one of the hardest and most dangerous. I've interviewed uh, Emily, Emily Forsberg, the Solomon sponsored Emily Forsberg. Okay. She she won it, I think, two thousand and thirteen. I think. Oh right, okay. Killian's girlfriend. Yeah. Okay, we spoke with um with just with Seb about the Seb Diagonal. Seb Chignot? Yeah, Diagonal de Fou. He was saying it was a really cool, really crazy race. So yeah. Um, like if you, I'm not going to ask that many questions about your upbringing, James. I'm sorry. It's not for some reason. It doesn't <laughs> it's sound, kind of boring. It doesn't sound as exotic. exotic no, as but like. it's just more like I think the point I was trying to make with that is that reunion gives kids so many chances naturally, whereas in the UK, for sure, you can have a lot of chances growing up and experience a lot of things, but you you have to spend a lot of money to do to do that. And because my family growing up, we didn't have so much money. Yeah, it was more we... basic stuff that you could do for free at the weekend. So I spent a lot of time hiking with, mm-hmm. with my parents, with my waterproof boots and trousers. And waterproof and hats. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I would say you actually had at least as much an outdoorsy bring that as Oh, yeah, it was incredibly outdoor. We were always outdoors doing things, but it was not as varied as that. You got the chance really to try everything that you could dream of trying as a kid. Mm-mm. And in addition to that, Reunion is such a sheltered place um, culturally and, and racially that I think it's just a, a great place to bring up kids. Uh, Caroline, she almost touched on it earlier but then got went off subject. She was saying that her her school, or maybe maybe I missed it. Did I, you say that? No, I was reading ahead. I thought you were going to say that. but <laughs> I'm that amazing. You didn't. <laughs> she was going to say <laughs> that when she, was, when she was at school... Um, What's, what's the subject? I still don't know. Just like wait we, and see. We, wait and see. We talked about, for example, when we when we first started to spend time together. We, you know, you talked about different upbringings and things like that, and you're I asked you about, about the like diversity ra- in my school. Yeah, racism okay. issues, and you're like, well, you know, growing growing up on reunion to be racist was a, a word or you know a phrase that I didn't understand, 
because actually, no, realistically, there is there is a sort of racism on reunion. I think, sadly, I mean, communities there's always problems. But in my in my school, there is a, I think in my classroom that I kept kind of the whole scholarity, there was, yeah, black, white, yellow. People from all sorts of ethnic No origin. minority, no majority. Exactly. exactly. No, and loads of religions. I remember when I was a kid going to, I could hear the mosque, and mm-hmm. uh, some of my friends, their mom, they had a, not a full veil, but they had a veil. And um, the kiddos didn't have a veil yet. Mm-hmm. I think you just have, have it later. I'm not really yeah. sure. Yeah. And um, uh, some other of my friends, we would go to the Hindu uh, weddings. Oh. Amazing weddings, because mm-hmm. so many flowers everywhere, there would always be somebody walking on fire. I still don't quite <laughs> understand that one, but uh, I mean, and James had, uh, I'm not even, yeah, you had one black kid in your whole school. Yeah. So yeah, obviously. I come from a very kind of it, small yeah. town, inland UK, and it was just, that was, that was it. The overriding population was predominantly white, and, and so the... The only foreigner was somebody to. It wasn't in a in a in, in a bad way or a negative way, but clearly they were they were an outsider. They so were the, clearly the from, other from the beginning. Exactly, we yeah. had this idea of of us and them, and, it's and sadly that's an issue yeah. that seems to be presenting itself more and more frequently and more and more violently I think it's now just in human the UK and all, all over. But you just didn't have that, yeah. which which I find so yeah. so cool. Maybe it's the case, you know, the grass is always greener. So I look at that and think of everything that, that I didn't have. And I'm sure there's lots of issues and problems as well there. But I don't know. You only had, so, uh, you only had fist fights and fish and chips. Fist fights and fish and chips, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, we kind of... Def- we're picturing it fairly wrong because you had an amazing childhood. I had a wonderful, <laughs> I think, wonderful childhood. I, think, I owe my I parents mean, maybe, so much. Yeah, exactly. My, I would say it's your, my parents maybe, that gave me that. I think the love for for the outdoors. I mean, I'm not saying my parents were not good. They were amazing and did <laughs> everything. But because James' parents were very, um, they did put a lot of time in their children's education. They had no money whatsoever, but they they spent the time, they spent the energy, and uh, they yeah, gave their. They invested energy and, and time and 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 think, love yeah. instead of money. I think the excuse of saying that I had a, I had a shit background and my parents. I mean, I, I don't know if it's an excuse, but I'm pretty sure you can always do a good job with your children if you just spend the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, I don't have any kids. <laughs> I better shut up for now. <laughs> um, were, did you both have? Um, were you the kind of kids that kind of dreamt away about, like, had big dreams about adventures? Like reading well, books. my dreams, my dreams as a as a young kid, my dreams were always based around climbing. Although no, you wanted to be an astronaut. I don't think I ever wanted to be an astronaut. I don't no. think I ever had those bizarre like childhood fantasies. I think uh, at some point Not I wanted to be age. a president, but <laughs> no, at some point, like a little bit later, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. But that was actually when I was really genuinely thinking about possible careers. It wasn't you know this is this throwaway thing. Um, but. No, from a very early age, I was dre- I dreamt of being a a rock climber. Even I think even before I really understood what rock climbing meant, it's quite funny. My mum she found recently she found some old drawings. I think I must have been three years old, marked on the wow. on the paper, of drawing mount- mountains with people climbing. Mm-hmm. And in the in the, in the picture you've got a, the, the guys climbing on a top rope coming down from the top of the mountain. So I'd, I'd clearly I'd seen I sport kind of had repelling. A, he was sport repelling off the top of and this mountain looks like the Iger is you know this tiny thin like pointy thing, 
and there's a helicopter up there that's I don't know doing something. No, but that's but, pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I clearly had all these these ideas or these visions, and I was trying to piece them all together and figure out what it meant. And as far back as I can remember, I can. I remember trying to ask my parents if if I could if I could go climbing, but because neither of them climbed and didn't really know anybody that climbed. And in the UK, because actually probably at least my view on this is based on the fact that we mainly go trad climbing, which is quite different to sport climbing. The public perception of climbing in England is one of kind of reckless risk-taking and danger. And so it's not really something that you want your kids to get into. So unless you have, you know, close relations or, or friends that can take you under their wing it's impossible or it was impossible now it's better with all the all the climbing walls that are sprouting up everywhere but no for probably at least 10 years or so I was totally you know set on the idea of being a climber but it was impossible to start and then but you don't know where those influences came from no I think it was partly because I grew up in the Peak District which is one of the climbing meccas of of England, and so when we'd go on hikes with my parents, oh, you would I'd always, always be. It's a really people. natural thing to do to to go climbing for a kid, you know, whether it yeah. be on a boulder or a tree or a climbing frame or whatever. And so I'd do that, and I, and I really liked it. And I think I was probably always quite good, so you generally like stuff that you do well. Mm. And at the same time, I'd see people really climbing out in the Peak oh, really District, a lot, even at the time. Yeah. Okay. Like we'd we'd for example every time you drive through Matlock Bath, which is a little town near to where I lived, there's a big cliff above the road, and every time we'd we'd drive through, I'd look and, and try and spot all the climbers and be like, mm. oh, there's one, oh, there's one, he's wearing red. And I remember trying to understand how it all worked, like how did they make themselves safe and things like that at a really early age. It's and funny then, because at the same time he comes from a rugby family. Yeah. <laughs> so his granddad and his dad, everybody's always been playing rugby every Wednesday, every uh, well, training several times per week and playing matches every weekend. Yeah. And uh, your mom, she was always on the side with her two kids, like cheering for daddy, who was uh, captain of his team. So James, he started rugby and he should have been a rugby player. I mean, I'm not saying a professional, but you should have been all about rugby, but some... Clearly, something was drawing him to climbing. Yeah. But and the mountains are calling. Exactly. <laughs> and I must go. <laughs> and so uh, around 15 or 16, um, I made some new friends at a, a different school. And basically, I'd, I'd kind of almost forgotten about climbing at that point. I mean, I was still climbing on stuff, you know, like kids, kids do, just fooling around. But it kind of the actual drive to go rock climbing had, had sort of disappeared. And I was doing other stuff at the time. I was playing rugby. I was doing lots of like inline skating or things like that. And at some point, one of my friends was like, oh, I went climbing at the weekend. And I was like, oh, wow, cool, climbing. You know, I always wanted to, to try that thing. And he said, oh, next time we go, I'll take you. And he did. And literally the that evening... You never I, looked back. I, I, no, I just found a thing mm. that was for, for me. Throughout my entire childhood, I'd been I'd been changing through lots of different sports. And I think I'd always kind of had... I remember actually while, while when I was inline skating, I must have been about 10 or 11. And I was okay. I wasn't great, but I was going to the skate park and I was doing my tricks and stuff like that. And I started to hear the word sponsorship and I'd read like skate magazines and I'd see people being like sponsored. And I didn't really know what it meant, but I knew it meant they got free stuff from somebody. So I remember asking friends of my dad at the rugby club, one night, that owned local businesses. Oh, do you want do you want to sponsor me for 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 rollerblading? Because I'm really good. You should you know you should sponsor me and give me some stuff. I actually 
I don't think it was a dream, but um, I remember the first time I asked asked about sponsorship. Um, I think I was I was already a bit better at climbing than you were. <laughs> I must have won my first Iranian championship, and with my mom, we uh, we wrote a, a three line text, something like "My name's Karen Siavadini. I'm 12 or whatever. I'm a Iranian champion in climbing. Can you please sponsor me?" And I sent it to everybody. <laughs> That's how you came in contact with the North Face. Well, that would be twelve. <laughs> they said we'll keep an eye on you. Uh, yeah. Actually, I remember my 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 dad's accountant gave me a bit of money. Yeah. That was but actually, cool. I mean, we we'll, we we'll laugh about it now, but there's there's a few climbers in the UK that actually make probably a good chunk of the of the money that they make from random firms like that, mm. from accountancy companies or I don't know local garages. I don't know if that's an urban myth or not. Maybe no. I, I mean, I, I know I'm not going to name them by names, but it definitely, <laughs> it definitely exists. They struggle to find sponsorship through the regular, you know, the lines. obvious ones. And but so they don't, they don't, they don't go I think they to put the, a thing uh, in the local paper. They were like, "Look at this guy. You know, he's just mm-hmm. done this and this and this, but he can't, he can't do it for a living. Uh, you know, can anybody help?" And some local businesses were like, "Yeah, we'll do it." So no, it's <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> um, your way into climbing was it similar? Because you started right away with the clim- indoor climbing gym, didn't you? So I think my bringing to climbing is just as different from James as it's possible. Climbing is a vet. Was that in English? Was there a lot of English mistakes in that sentence? No, it's okay. Okay. But then again, my English is pretty poor <laughs> <laughs> nowadays. Um, Thanks to the influence of a certain little French lady. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. I started climbing through school. Um, like a gym class? Yeah. I don't know how uh, developed is climbing at school in Finland. Or Sweden. In Sweden. Sweden. Sorry. My. Jesus Christ. Okay, this, she it's has been real two days. Trouble with I am saying this. Finland instead, yeah. instead of Sweden, and I know where it is, and I know the capital, but for some um, reason... Maybe I, will, I, I will leave that in. I will not edit that, <laughs> edit that out. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> but don't worry, ma'am. You'll get, an op- you'll get another opportunity. Okay, cool. She'll, call, she'll drop in Norway later I've got as this, well. I've got this hidden attraction to this Finnish uh, amazing climber. And, Probably. Uh, he looks like you so much. Oh, yeah, not Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Huh? If I, if, I, if, I, if I flop my head down like this, <laughs> I'm sad. Kind of a gnarly look. <laughs> right, luckily, person, nobody Awkward. can see me. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was I saying? So, climbing is very, very developed in schools. And um, so, I had, I remember I had one um, running um, uh, semester, one rugby semester, and one climbing semester. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just. I think it's always for me. It's story. just crazy to 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 imagine that. I think it's it's coming out. Climbing more is and more. so <laughs> far down the ladder. <laughs> school priorities in England. But it's the fourth school, fourth sport at school in France. So it's wow. very big, and hmm. uh, it's it's expensive um, uh, infrastructure, but it's not that expensive realistically compared to a football. Yeah, nowadays most of the schools in France have a climbing gym. Yeah. Well, I don't know if most, but a lot. And so uh, I started and uh, I was really good at it. So I liked it. Do you know what it was that kind of spoke to you? Like what what was it in climbing that you... Was it just that you the were fact good? That you were good at it. Yeah. If I'm really honest, mm-hmm. uh, so at the time I was um, playing tennis a lot. I was dancing. I had just stopped doing horse riding. Uh, did I say I was dancing? Mm-hmm. I was sailing a lot. I had a lot of activities. And climbing was just one of them. And uh, 
why did I slowly let go of everything else for climbing? I think a big part of it was the the group in which I was. Because, I mean, my climbing world was really, really small. It was, obviously, it's a really interesting activity, but I'm not going to spit on other sports. And there's amazing, I mean, tennis, well, no, I hate tennis, but I'm sure lots of people can love tennis. Sailing is amazing <laughs> when you, I mean, well, the only thing is sailing on the island where I was, there was not enough wind, so there was a lot of boredom time. But sailing is a great sport, I think. Um, it was more like the... The people around me, the I think I had teachers that were really keen who brought me all around the island. That's pretty lucky when you think about it. A teacher who takes on her time um, and takes the kids um, for 10 days all around the island. <laughs> I mean, that there is better holidays than that yeah. for a teacher. <laughs> But she did it. And so she gave us the love of the rock, which was, <laughs> I mean, from plastic indoor climbing, there's a big first step into actually touching rock and liking it um, and uh, she 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 gave us the opportunity to start competing as well and so as soon as I started climbing I started competing and I I spent like 15 years in the competition world and that's very that's very very intense uh, whatever the sport is always it's kind of a similar story it's a inner journey into a pursuit of mental and physical excellence and that's I don't even think you actually question uh, do you like the sport or not. You just you're on it. I just remember reading the biography of uh, Andre Agassi, mm -hmm. and that's a very good example of a professional athlete who's been very successful, successful hating his sport all the time. So <laughs> I am definitely not saying I hated climbing. I'm just saying I, I don't even think in in the beginning that I did question how much I liked it, and. With, it, with the time now, I mean, I've discovered loads of other aspects of climbing, like James tried climbing, which is completely different. It's way more natural, you could say. And um, But what, what came first, James or tread climbing? Oh, no. <laughs> no, James came first, obviously. I would have never started. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dread climbing, uh for <laughs> without James. So there's this, I think what people know about climbing in general is uh, either indoor climbing or sport um, rock climbing, which is, I'm not going to say 100% safe, but you should be fine. You should really not have an accident. You have like pre-bolted routes and so on, yeah, and top rope and everything. So it's... Uh, you're going to be either top rope or on the lead, but oh, yeah. you're placing yeah. security, mm -hmm. uh, you're placing carabiners into a metal uh, rings Bolt. that are glued or uh, stuck in the rock so i mean on paper unless you make it unless there's a human mistake everything's completely fine trad climbing is not like that and uh, you didn't start climbing for the security you started climbing for the danger it was i think yeah at the time trad climbing was seen and it's still seen as a, it's an extreme sport it's uh It's not quite base jumping, but it's got something. I don't think common. we can say I started trad climbing for the danger, but just trad climbing is how climbing was done in England at the time. But as a kid, you were very adventurous. Yeah, you had no problem with sewing little bits of rock. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, even before I really, really climbed, that was that was fine. Mm. But what is it? But is it true that you had a an element of kind of a daredevil in you? You kind of like think, the tingling sensation, but I've always been I've always been attracted to extreme sports, whatever you want to call them, um, sports that give you an adrenaline rush. But ironically, trad climbing um, is is not one of those sports. In fact, you really you rarely feel any adrenaline whilst you're climbing. And generally, if you feel if you've if you've got that adrenaline rush, it's because yeah. something's gone wrong because you've put yourself in a situation that you shouldn't be in. Trad climbing is much more about controlling the risk it's uh, the, the most simple way to describe it is you know if you walked if you walked along a thin uh, a thin wall at ground level why not do that at 100 meters off the floor you know you can do it there's nothing that's changed it's just your perception of the of the risk and how that risk then affects your physical performance and i think that's what's what's really interesting a lot of the routes i i was i was doing when i was when i was younger This is kind of after starting climbing and after discover, making those first steps and discovering kind of what it all meant. When I started to actually push myself and do harder and harder trad routes, it was a question of, I know I can do this route, but can I do it when it counts? Which is ironically very similar to what Caroline was experiencing later on with her competitions, but with very different, uh, fairly brought very different results. For me, fairly was, was potentially mortal. For Caroline, fairly was just it was a lost competition, but at the same time, it was devastating as, as well. Well, I was in debt. That's already something. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on, there's something about your description. You just described it. I don't want people to take it wrong. Uh, you described it as walking along a white line, as if like you're 100% sure you can do it. When you said you were sure you could do the routes, this is not really true. I mean, some of the routes. Yeah. You did, okay. So this was, was more like walking along a white line that was you know, slightly broken up and you might have to hop and spin around on at some points. And closed eyes. <laughs> With closed eyes, occasionally. <laughs> so there were definitely moments 
that take you closer to the edge than than others. But generally speaking, it's doing something that you know physically you should be able to do. Three times out of four. Yeah, I mean, you'd, yeah, yeah, you'd have a you, you know, you'd work out the percentage <laughs> roughly. So a lot of the time, a lot of the time when I was younger and I was trying dangerous tra- traditional routes, I would practice them before with the safety with a safety rope. And depending on the odds, if I fell off one time in ten, or one time in five, or one time in two, then I could decide, you know, is the risk worth the reward? And somebody could tell you the risk of dying is never worth the reward, but this is a sport. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, and that was the yes, game. I think he had a and there were risks that of a com- component, and there were routes that I did seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old that I wouldn't ever dream of doing nowadays. They were just hmm. too, they were just too, too far. But at that time, maybe it's the fact that I was just younger, and I don't know. I think young young males are typically the some of the most arrogant, and I think it's risk- maybe the most dangerous time of your life. I mean, just look at driving a car. You think you're invincible. You think you're all, you know. That's the thing. Risk-taking is all down to what you think. Uh, I, I think even Alex Arnold will tell you he doesn't take any risk because he doesn't think he takes any risk. And James will tell you, I don't take any risk. So actually, it's not. you can't ask him how much t- risk do you think you take. Yeah, it's based on your experiences yeah. that you're living at the time. And then you're Nobody wants, it's kind mean, of a, and it's yeah. about an an ex, an ever expanding comfort zone as well, yeah, and, and competence zone, and then like knowing also later limits. on perhaps you know, uh, uh, well hopefully not, but <laughs> hopefully you're on past the limit, but yeah, I feel like my comfort zone's compressed quite a lot from the from those days. Like I'm I'm there's a I'm a lot less likely to take those potentially mortal risks when I do now. It's really something that has to be has to be worth it or something that I'm absolutely sure is, is going to go fine. Maybe you could say that when you were really young, there was a bit of a gambling part to it. Yeah. Like actually, you didn't actually, you're talking about uh, um, percentages, but yeah. I don't think you did calculate that well the risk and Maybe. you did fully understand the consequences. And we've Or at least the percentage for fairly was much, much higher. I mean, there's always percentage chances that something can go wrong. Simply, you know, hold breaks or... You know, there's a million things that could happen that probably never will, but it can. And so even if you're climbing the easiest route in in the world, but you're solo, it's you're taking huge risks. But, you know, if we were worried about that, then we'd all want to live in a little bubble. You know, you life's think, ultimately for living. Do you think you, because now you uh, you share this life and you share this passion, you're both climbers from a, from a very young age, do you think... Um, like both, you've uh, you've evolved, you've matured, um, and do, but do you think that climbing, like when you two go climbing, do you kind of take on different roles than when you are at home? Is it a problem, like climbing as husband and wife? Are you more or less likely to expose yourself or? I, I mean, comparing if you climb with a with a mate with a with a friend, mm-hmm. even if it's a close friend. It's not your, it's not Carolyn. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at? Is uh, it, is it sometimes difficult? Do you have to like take on like a professional um, role when you communicate with, amongst yourself? Or? So I think to answer, I would, I would ask you, uh, when is the last time you climbed with somebody who wasn't me? Well, I've, without you? Without me. Then I don't, I don't remember. 
Hmm. So <laughs> we have we a, own pretty much we own have plant. a really really close yeah. relation, and uh, but I, we I spend think it might be hard twenty four hours a day, at least three hundred days a year together. <laughs> it's kind of it's very extreme, and I think ninety percent of people don't understand it. Uh, I don't know why it's like that. Um, first, we have that worked we had, perfectly. We had really different lives. I mean, James was an outdoor climber. He was always going on trips. I was a competition climber. I was always going on trips. We had actually not much time in common and we couldn't, we didn't like it. So we've both made our well, sponsors Well, yeah, we took evolve. steps to, to bring our lives closer together. So aligning sponsorship. And I was um, just... Doing more joint, joint projects. I was just thinking recently, um, James started to want to uh, bike a bit more. Um, have a little bit of a, a side activity. But then he had to convince me to go do it with him because he wouldn't do it without me. <laughs> so. No, but I mean, being in a in a very exposed situation. Yeah, uh, the, the the fear of something happening yeah. to, to Caroline. Well, I think so first, of all, so basically maybe before we talk about that, we should talk about how you got into trad climbing because it wasn't yes. instantaneously. It wasn't just because I'm a trad climber, suddenly you start to do it. At first, you thought I was totally crazy. So you I think no you, you must have grasped it. We're quite opposite. Uh, James is all the risk taker, and I'm he's pulling towards risk. I'm pulling towards security. So, and this works just as much in climbing as in real life. Yeah. So, we function just the same way in real life and climbing. There's no uh, there's no putting a hat on, or at mm. least I'm not aware of it. No. I don't. I don't. Not think a waterproof so. hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Your dad actually has a waterproof hat. It does. That's why it does exist. Yeah. <laughs> so where were we going? And so, for the first probably two years of our of our relationship, we we were only sport climbing, and um, that was great because Caroline actually she was still competing, so she still had to maintain her her form. And I'd, in fact, my biggest problem that I still to this day I think the biggest problem I've ever experienced in climbing was the fact that I. I I'd never trained or developed myself phys- physically. I'd always relied on kind of natural ability and risk risk taking or being being bold. And so I had no idea how to how to take that step away from it. I was basically in a situation where I was as a professional climber, you're supposed to try and always, you know, go further, faster, stronger, do more and more and more. Every project has to be somehow greater than, than the last. And when when the only thing you know how to do is basically take risks, the the long term chances of something happening are, are fairly high. I remember one day realizing that and thinking I needed to do something about it, but not n- knowing quite how. And I tried to train. I tried to build my my sport climbing ability in the past and just never really succeeded. And so getting to know Caroline gave me this new opportunity to to kind of change who I was as a climber to you know, add a new string to my bow and potentially maybe make my life a little bit longer, which was super interesting. Because <laughs> over the first couple of years, we were just uh, we were just sport climbing, and that was awesome. I kind of almost was was trad climbing less than ever, but it was just didn't matter at all. I was motivated on a new, on a new thing, and I was excited it. by a new thing. Yeah, you were improving fast, and as I could well, see so the progression, yeah. which is always a really good thing. And then at some point, I think I used that that newfound level in sport to then take it back to trad. And that had always been my dream. And I had a project in the UK that we that 
we planned and Caroline coached me through it for about six months. She built me a training program. So at that point, I was still not trad climbing at all. And I think I had even said I don't want to trad climb because I, I mean, I'm scared. I mean, <laughs> I'm a normal person. So mm. I was afraid of the concept. But uh, James was getting more and more into it mentally and I was seeing him do it. So I thought at some point, I will never understand James fully if I don't try trad climbing. So I tried. And uh, to my surprise, I really, really liked it. Because there's this, um, I mean, just like you explained, it just trad is, you've got sport climbing, which is all about the physical level. And obviously there's a lot of mental control, but it's control of your physical, like how you display your energy. And uh, on top of that, you can add um, controlling fear and handling danger. And so it's like as if you, you just added an, an extra dimension of, complexity yeah and then on top of that you add the whole kind of complex issue of choosing and selecting and and placing and managing all the protection that you have to place which is again a whole kind of world in its own right Mm. and so you had all these new skills to to learn and and to develop and I think Caroline when she was approaching the end of her sport climbing career you'd probably with or without trad you would have probably finished yeah I would have competition I would have never stopped climbing but I would have stopped competitions more because the way, so I think you're going to have a brilliant conversation about what competition is about. And I have met competitors who told me I wish the best to everybody. But I wasn't like that. And I don't actually know if there are really competitors who are truly wishing the best to everybody. I, I, saw, I saw one of the movies I saw, and I think it was James quoting you. So I don't know if it's 100%. But you said, James, that Caroline was one of those climbers who said, I want to kill the competition. And it's maybe I wouldn't say kill, but this I think is you said true. destroy. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. annihilate or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it was on the first day, the first day that we actually ever, ever really talked. <coughs> yeah, that's. I think that's the way I've been brought up. First mm-hmm. of all, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, you were competitive in everything was, in your I life. I mean, my my dad's. I don't know if it does matter, but my mom was very competitive, and my dad. Uh, he was he's Vietnamese, and I remember one time him tell. I was like, at the end of the competition, being like, "Oh uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just try that route, and it doesn't matter." And I was twenty. Twenty-five at the time, so you know, a grown-up, and my dad was just on holiday, and he's like, "No, Caroline, you're not just doing the route. You're you're winning." <laughs> I was like, "Oh wow, okay, <laughs> this is where try I come from." Win. Yeah. <laughs> and your mum, she she she'd always told you that you were the best. You're the best. You're the most special. Yeah. You're the most so pretty. I, I've you're always the most clever. Been, I've brought up competi- I've been brought up competitive. Like, have I had to be the first in class? I had to be the first in everything I was doing. Uh, so, but this is super selfish. <laughs> and I think I reached that point where I wasn't comfortable with the person I was. I think, I do think all competitors experience this uh, trouble here. That's, it's, com- I don't think you can be a competitor without being super selfish. Maybe you can, I don't know. Maybe I guess you can put it and put your hat on and put your hat hat. Off, but I couldn't do it and so I knew I had to move on from that because I would just not become a nice person otherwise. But do you think uh, trad climbing in, in, in that way it kind of helped you? Like, yeah because uh, trad climbing um, first of all I stopped competition direct competition and becoming a pro climber, a pro trad climber um, 
it was definitely not about who's doing the hardest route. It every route is very different in trad climbing, and every every story is very specific. So I could just find my own path. And now our life is completely different. It's about uh, telling stories about the experience we live, and it's really not about uh, who is the best outdoor climber in the world. Or I mean, I would I'm willing to lose that competition actually. Mm. Um, it's about it's yeah, it's about sharing stories that might hopefully motivate people to want to leave stories just like that. Yeah. Going back to what we said right at the beginning of the thing, it's just about to try and we have climbing is probably the best thing that we have in our lives. I would say it's the best gift I've ever been given. But I don't know who actually gave it me. Give myself maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just felt like it going crazy one day, gave myself climbing. <laughs> but it's the best thing that we have and if we can share that image with with one person then it's you know it's a, so I think this it's is a positive thing to do for yeah this is the moment where you you take a step back and you're like what is my life achieving uh, actually I think you you said it but you've got this maybe I've heard it you say it so much times that I I don't I don't feel like you put your heart in in this uh, even if this is pretty much true just one of my corporate slogans yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this I think well I mean we're six how do you say trillion in, no milliard Trillion. Six uh, billion. 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 Yeah. Six billion. M- milliard. <laughs> okay. Billion. Yeah. We're a lot of people, no? <laughs> I can't figure out the way to say it in English. A lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> and we, let's be realistic, we are useless. I mean, James and I were useless. We're not bringing in anything. And you could say in one bad way, what are we? You could say on one side, we are glorified advertising. And that's quite sad but you could say on the other side our purpose is to uh, hopefully get people to go climb more go be in the nature more and if they're in the nature more they're less con- uh, consuming less less in the supermarkets and uh, thinking twice about taking that car to yeah maybe choosing the bike over the yeah, cars exactly. next time so. just, just somehow to opening people's eyes to mm. what might be out to there how, how much of a treasure we and have I'm not for and one how moment. much in danger it is as well and I'm not for one moment saying that we know everything and we see it all clearly. No, we're just as confused as everybody else. But just to be aware that there are there are a million and one ways to look at the world that we live in and the way that people in Sweden see it and the way that people in the UK or in America or in Africa or in Asia, like everyone is so different. And But at the same time, we're all, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out. You said yeah. that travelling is... is, is one of yeah, the reasons that we like to travel we didn't so talk much. About traveling at all, but that's the one big thing that climbing brought us. It's a it's a gift from climbing. Yeah, traveling. You get to see the world. Yeah. yeah, but you don't just get to see the world. I mean, when when I was a kid, my my parents did travel a lot. They had uh, quite enough money to travel, but we'd always go on the how do you say tour operator. Yeah, I guess because ultimately we don't have that much money, we're forced to travel in a way that uh, you. Know, Puts us in contact, um, in fact, puts us at the mercy of of the local people. Mm. And now, you mean, you, you, you turn on the news every day and you just see horror story after horror story, people being horrible and awful to each other. And people are scared, I think, of of, of the unknown and, and strangers. So people and yet, are scared of me, just buying a plane ticket. The, mean, not everybody, but a lot of people are, sp- are scared of buying a plane I've ticket and just going off in a country where they don't speak the language. But... But I and we have had nothing but positive experiences from, from travelling. And when you put yourself kind of in the arms of, of, of somebody, 
most of the time they just want to give you a hug. They're not going to steal your wallet. Yeah. And I think why did it happen in the first place? Because we wanted to travel to climb. So we want to, tre- to reach that crag, which is completely mm. off the touristic path. So there's no way to book a tour operator. So you, you have no choice. You have to go for it. You buy a flight ticket. And, uh, and then you're not really sure. You kind of try and plan things ahead, but you can't plan much things. But I mean, we've we've had so that's the first thing we've had. We've been forced to climb to travel off the beaten tracks, and that was an amazing discovery. And I wish that to anybody. And the other thing is, there is a big. I think it's the same in any sport. There's a big universal climbing community. Mm. So wherever you go, you'll meet a climber. You <laughs> you can only say a few signs. You've got a few English words in common, but uh, somehow. In, in a few days, you'll become friends and maybe next year he'll come to your home to spend some holidays there. So he's got this very, very different life. He's got a, he lives in a world that's not your world with different rules and different objectives, but he will let you inside his world so you will get to discover what, what reality it is that you have. I always feel like when we travel, it's like our brain shifts a little bit and uh, you feel just Building a little less Building new pathways stupid. and so on. Building yeah. new, yeah. So that's the real big thing. Now Now that we're 30, sometimes you're like, do we actually travel to climb or do we climb to travel? And Yeah, that's the, the eternal question that we pose <laughs> right, right now, I think. Are you ever afraid of, well, we've actually already touched upon this, but about being like jaded, like because you, you get to see all these fantastic places and do these amazing things. Uh, is it difficult sometimes to stay humble? And I mean that both in the s- sense of like appreciating like your backdoor climbing route, but also when it comes to exposing yourself to risks. Isn't that a, a problem to become kind of too overly confident in a way? I don't know. I think one of the one of my big fears is what what's going to happen and how am I going to react when when all this comes to an end. So, well, hold on. Clarify what? Because it looks like you're going to die. No, when all of this <laughs> this wonderful life come, comes to an end and how will I fit back into the real world, how I call it. And that's something that, well, you know, I guess I won't find out until it actually happens. We're trying to... I guess, at one hand, we're, we're trying to make plans and, and prepare for that but at the same time I think simply probably just by by traveling and, and visiting and seeing all these places yes it, it does show you all of the, the the magnificent things out there but I think at the same time it teaches you to actually be be more humble because mm-hmm. you realize that you're just a tiny you're ultimately just a tiny part of a of a, of a huge system that is going to keep on working with you or without you and so, yes, we are right now living these incredible experiences. And yes, one day we won't be able to travel as much. We won't be able to have all these magical things all the time whenever we want them. And that's a bit scary. But at the same time, you look at it and you realize, well, you know, does it really matter? What does it change? Like if I'm here or if I'm not, it doesn't change anything. So all I have to try and do is find a way to be happy with what I have in that moment there. Like don't stress too much about what may or may not be in the future. Yeah, I think maybe this is the not really searching the great purpose of why are we alive because maybe there isn't a great purpose and maybe we are nothing and maybe we should just enjoy it Yeah, now. I think we're just there to exist and make yeah. the most of it whilst we can. 
But to be kind of pretentious, isn't that um, isn't that uh, what would define like being adaptable? Like what you're describing is about being adaptable, mm-hmm. adaptable to life, and isn't that what makes a good climber? Like if you are adaptable, adaptable, and being able to roll with the punches, kind of to keep keep on moving forwards and solving problems, and like I don't know whether it's something. I mean, yeah, for sure, it, it's definitely a positive um, attribute to, to to have, but. I think you know not just for climbing to be a climber actually. or yeah, yeah, just to be a, just to be a person. Like climber seems a bit like actually useless there, but just to be adaptable seems it's the first time I think about it like that. But I mean adaptability as a as a climber and for sure as, as a track yeah, yeah. climber or and, in the mountains. Thing about ad- adaptability as a you need life, to be able to obviously adjust to every situation, the situations that are going to be constantly ch- changing. But I think ad- adaptability in in life is I hope. It's probably, it's probably. I hope it's going to be one of the the best things that all this traveling is going is going to give us. And I can imagine why somebody that only lives one existence or one you know lifestyle, when things change, I can see why they might have a harder time dealing with it than than than, than myself. Even though you could argue that maybe you know we have a great life now and it and it might get worse. Regardless of that, we've we've, we've got learned. perspective. Yeah, it's a it's a cliche, and obviously everybody says uh, it's about realizing that you're really lucky. But <laughs> I mean, it's cliches are there for a reason. When you travel, I mean, what what is the percentage of a developed country and the percentage of people who live in a third world country? We're just so lucky yeah. to have had, even if it has to stop tomorrow. Yeah, like that should be just m- much more than enough. Even if we're gonna have the super shit, like I'm, I'm the planner type, so I always plan things. I have got plan A, plan B, plan C, depending on what happens. So in my head, I've planned even what happens if James dies, and and it's horrible to think. Obviously, if I die, there's nothing to plan about. So that's actually the really easy solution. But if James dies and I don't die, that's the worst situation for me. If we die both, this is amazing as well. Um, but the 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 only way I can get off is just thinking um, if James die, it will be all finished. But I'll still know that we'll had we've had all this time that was just amazing and unexpected, and we didn't deserve it realistically. So I I just I always try to focus on like let's try and keep this collection of memories, and mm. even if it's gone, in one way it's always going to be there. It's <laughs> Uh, how do you re- how do you react because because in your line of work i don't know in your in your world tragic events happen to people living in the mountains oh or, yeah of course that's the deal yeah and 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 i'm sure you you both have have close friends that are no longer with us and you hear about um accidents and so on how do what does that do to you how does that how does that affect you and how do you do you ever question your Question your, I think your the choices. first the first thing again I come back to perspective. I think we've our modern developed super ha- happy and sheltered society has made a really big deal of death. Like dying before you're eighty is uh, is a really bad thing happening to somebody, and we dwell on it for a lot. But you go to Philippines, and <laughs> I mean, it happens all the time, and people somehow they manage it. Death is normal. I think 
maybe one first thing that we've learned with discovering so many places, so many people, is that, well, if somebody dies, it's really sad, it's really horrible, and will be really sad, but, I mean, life goes on, whatever. Um, so that, that was the first thing. You don't, you don't agree? No, I agree. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of down to earth, but it's, like, it's kind of... When seeing somebody crying and giving him a little bit of a slap in the face and be like, just move on, and that's all. It's just but, harsh. But, I mean, life is not... We just think life is supposed to be easy, but no, life is not life supposed is not, to be easy. And life's not supposed to be fair. Life's just life, you know? It just just is. Everybody's there doing something. There's no real reason behind it. And and I've had, I've had close friends die in the mountains, but also had close friends die doing stupid stuff in in the city mm. and also friends kill themselves and you know just like it's death death is death and whether it's for one reason or another is it more sad or less sad i think i'd be almost more sad to 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 see somebody that's lived a very sheltered life and ha- with few life experiences die you know doing something mundane than somebody die in the mountains doing something they love i think that's a but then what's really hard is uh, for the people who remain. That's always the big it's always, problem. That's the big yeah. problem. So I think both uh, James and I, we educate each other onto the fact that, I think we, we repeat it to each other, while we're living is amazing, if it has to stop tomorrow, both James and I, we're fully happy with that. And I even try to educate my sister on that because she's, my sister's really not like me. She's a, you could say, stereotypically, you could say she's got a sheltered life. I mean, she, you, stereotypically, you could sh- say she's got a normal, a normal existence. I mean, she's a she's a really happy person. She's got a great husband, two great kids. Um, but her expectation is that we shouldn't die before eighty years old. If we do, something happened. Something and I wrong. keep trying to educate her to the fact that maybe I will die earlier. I don't want to. Maybe I will die earlier, and this is fine. And she must not be sad for me because I did what I wanted. But it's hard to educate her on that. And you do the same with your parents. Well, not so much, but I think you consider your parents are tough and they can handle it. Yeah, I think they've maybe already come to terms with, with all that. I don't think so. I actually. don't know whether you ever come to terms with losing your child. I guess that's always a... Yeah, that's another like, story. It's something instinctively built in, but... No, honestly, for my my personal view on on death is not something to... It's not something to fear or to worry about. If I die walking across the street this afternoon when I leave the leave the office, I mean it's fine. Um, I had an, I've had an amazing life and I've lived so many incredible experiences. Well, and wait, listening big... to us, it looks like we're ready to die. We, like, no, no, I, 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 I really, I really <laughs> hope. Much rather I really hope that I, that I take the eighty-year-old deal tomorrow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I really hope that we continue to to have a, a life like this and make loads more memories in whatever kind of arena that 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 is but at the same time i don't find death scary or the prospect of death the yeah. prospect of losing somebody is a lot scarier than the prospect of dying yeah dying how do you how do you find a way to be happy all over again without this is this is really hard to go to terms with that but i guess you just find ways i mean that's human nature but what what, what keeps you moving forward is it the inspiration and, and the love for the experience so Instead of I mean, walking out in front of a bus this afternoon. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
And I'm trying to pull you back to the light side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's very simple. We've got an amazing life. So every, pretty much every hour nice, of every our moment. life is amazing. I mean, like right now, think, put things in perspective. On one side, you could say, oh, God, we just came back from the US and we had only two days at home. And now we've got to go to Sweden <laughs> and we've got to do this thing. And it's No, 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 on. Finland. Yeah. You're in Finland yeah. now. Oh, my God. Oh, See, it's happening all the no, time. I don't no, know why. No, he's making fun of you. Oh. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know what's happening in my brain. She's so used to the fact that she's going to make mistakes. She's conditioned herself just to be apologetic. Oh shit, I've done it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got it right. So we're in sorry. Norway. <laughs> the north. We're in the north. I can't get it wrong. Uh, you lost me there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so you were you, moaning you that, say, we, that we don't have any time at home and so we're now in Sweden. So that's the very French way of looking at things, you know? No, 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 we have to work, la, 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 and we don't have any time at home. Or you can just say, I mean, how great is that to get to visit Stockholm? That's the right city, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we went to see the, the Vasa museum. The museum and... <laughs> I mean, that was mind-blowing, really. You guys are really lucky to have it. We ate awesome food. Reindeer. We ate awesome food. <laughs> Why did you eat reindeer? That dwarf. <laughs> and, uh, Poor Rudolph. I'm sorry. We, even if it's a really short trip, three days, we get to uh, meet people from here. We, I mean... Even this podcast's awesome. Like, we get to meet you. Even and, and this you have podcast. A, so you have such an... <laughs> of course it's fantastic. <laughs> no, you just have such an interesting I mean, it's the first time life as well. I'd, I'd prefer to actually be here interviewing you. That would be like, almost more interesting. <laughs> we'll book you up for tomorrow. Later. <laughs> but it's so, I mean, just every every experience yeah, that you live, you can, take something, you can take something interesting from it. We've never done a podcast before. I've never been in a building with such... It looks super trendy, isn't it? It yeah. is super. I mean, the floor is amazing. This yeah. glass, this is pretty cool. Uh, there's a. I've got a little bit of an obsession for lights, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a light. The light bulb is pretty cool. That's <laughs> eh? super inspiring. Mm -hmm. Sadly, I don't know how to uh, work. You should have metal. a goldfish. <laughs> that would be perfect. <laughs> so yeah, perspective. But uh, I think there's really no trouble with keeping us going. You're completely losing it, James. <laughs> We're running out of time anyway. So. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> but um, what what do you see like in the coming the coming months in your life? What's what's so up? So we always up ahead? switch years. So last year was fairly focused on my project because it was a big project that required a lot of time. And this year we put more focus on James. So you Be have making him a YouTube star. Exactly. That's the uh, the goal. Uh, Caroline's going to start getting naked soon because yeah. I figured out that's the only way I'm going to get ever more than 300 subscribers. I mean, you chose the wrong wife for that. I'm not getting naked. So this year, um, so we we just we were just in the US for th the last three weeks because for the last few years now I've been looking for um, what I hope will be my next level of in of, of trad climbing and it's kind of it's looking for a route that's going to push me further than i've been uh, i've been pushed before and um so we've, we've been searching all over the world for this thing a lot in south africa recently we decided to go looking in the u.s and so he's looking for a new route yeah not an existing route um, and so the problem is it's it's always really hard to find even to find a hard climbing route even if it's sport climbing um 
finding you know a natural piece of rock that's just that right level of difficulty that has holes in just the right places is is already complicated enough. And then when you have to add to that the fact that it needs to be protect protectable. <laughs> Because I won't get into boring details about why in any way, but it's it's really complicated. So we've been looking a lot and we haven't really found that much. So he's talking about technical things, but then the thing is, James got his dream in his head of a route that is just about, you know, like that, with that and that. And to have a dream and want to find the real the reality of that dream is just really hard to find a but, piece you know, of If you're rock. allowing yourself to dream, then you allow yeah, yourself sure. to dream. Yeah, but hey, the journey is the, the, the reward, perfection. right? Exactly. And so we've been... <laughs> the chase for it. Oh, we've, 100%. We've been to the US. This is already... A, that was mind-blowing. Not always positively, but <laughs> just... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. in the recent, well, 2017, new president with uh, a lot of things to say. And we went to the ta- the thousand... Southern. I, I, can't, I can't say that word. South. The states of the south of the USA. <laughs> the southern states. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, that was so the climbing aspect of it was to find James Dream route, and the travel aspect of it was to get to un- try and understand what's happening there. Why people is it even possible to understand? Well, why did people believe uh, what trust what Trump promised? I think you can understand actually when you go there why they believed it. It's, it's just it's hope. Hope, lack, lack of education, hope lack of possibilities. Fear, and ultimately coming down, like you said, the lack of education. And this is crazy to realize that the first world uh, power is there, but they are there. I mean, clearly they are. But we shouldn't talk about politics yeah. on this podcast. We're probably the, <laughs> I think this the is okay least acceptable. I don't think anybody in Europe would back Trump now in the media. So <laughs> yeah, but it was super okay. interesting. We, in fact, we, we went with the question of, okay, in, in Europe, Trump's obviously portrayed as kind of a clown, and there's there's I don't think there's any me, any media source that has really positive things to say about him. He's just the same. They portray this caricature all the time, and so we're like, it, you know, in the, it can't be like that in the U.S. because there's fifty percent of the the population that well, let's not argue about that. That technically voted for him, and and so there's got to be some people that have positive things to say. And no, even over there, <laughs> we don't find it. But I think that's simply because we live in a, an age where the, me, the the media that you see is so tailored towards your own tastes yeah. and your own... Yeah. Filter of, bubbles and Exactly. And Even if we don't want it, it's pretty much impossible to yeah, find. not that yeah. many people buy a newspaper anymore. Mm. A lot of people get their news via Facebook. Mm. And it's automatic, pretty much automatic media. feeds. Yeah. And so even I mean, over we there, we, we, we were shocked. Everybody knows kind of the why and what, but... Um, but... With all of that kind of confusion. So you are running for president. Exactly. Let's make it official. Exactly. <laughs> of which country? I'm gonna my my main my main plan is that I'm gonna go and do this really hard trad. Route. You know, there's no president. Make in the trad UK. climbing mm-hmm. great again. Yeah, but I'm gonna. I'm, <laughs> yeah, that's that, the. Uh, you've got it. I'm gonna go to the See, states. So we had this cap. And yeah, we did you, actually make caps saying make trad climbing great again. No, real. Yeah. 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 Really, ah, did you? I can give you. A, no, a picture. <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> and we had half of the people really laughing. Oh, the climbers, because the climbing community Everybody is vastly loved it. against Trump. You know, regardless of what... That was the no, beauty no, no, of those no, no, caps. No. Some people looked at you like, how can he Let's dare do that? Let's throw a rock at him. <laughs> no, I think everyone loved it. Because <laughs> some people thought we were supporting and others thought we were mocking. And 
And some people had no sense of it. And some people just didn't realize what's <laughs> trad climbing. Some people couldn't read. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the good news is that on this trip to the States, I I don't know if we can say I found the one, but I found the closest thing mm. so far to this dream route. And so we'll be going back at the end of the year to hopefully try back and, again in that and get same this country. Thing done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think maybe we just can't get enough of it. I guess maybe already for a French and an English person, it's hard to understand. But then for a Swedish person, it's even to understand the US. But it's all to me. If I had to explain the situation in one word, it's just education, like education like possibilities, yeah. like in Sweden, perspective have, and yeah, education. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but just keep laughing. thank you, thank you so much for a a fantastic the 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 first interview where I I didn't even have to use the questions because I kind <laughs> I didn't of didn't use the questions like because oh you, you you you, uh, you uh, to edit we just this. Too much. <laughs> you hijacked it in the most lovely way. <laughs> And uh, I'm very grateful for you taking your time. Well, I'm very grateful for you to listen to our blah, <laughs> mindless blah, blah, blah. And I pity you having so, to edit that. Yeah. And I'm looking up there and I'm seeing those three tracks. Does that mean you edit three tracks separately or do you... No, okay, it's, you bring it's all mixed up in a nice lump. Okay, yeah. but you can separate them if you need to cut out something that I say over, over Caroline. I put, or... the, I put the James filter on. We do speak together very often. <laughs> yeah. I think you've noticed, and you're thinking in your head, "Oh my god, this is going to be horrible to edit." <laughs> Thank you so much, and best of luck for you. Thank you very for, much for Thank the both you very of much. you. Well, and, uh, I think we'll start listening definitely. You'll have a new subscribers your podcast. W- yeah. Yay! I want to know what and you can said. Read, and Everyone you can make, counts. And you can make uh, ads for me on your YouTube channel. <laughs> Maybe I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I'm not so. I'm not. I'm not there you don't yet. Even have ads. No. Oh my god, you're But so then you know, for like the ad revenue that three hundred people was gonna bring in, I thought it was just pretty <laughs> worth it. You can find Husky on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at the handle Husky Podcast. Husky is recorded with support from Naturkompaniet and the new holiday club in Ora. The music is made by Joel Mull. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.